At Our Father's House, our prayer is that you will be blessed and strengthened by the power of Jesus Christ. We would like to thank you for joining us today as we study God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Justin. I have a word from the Lord, and I'll be honest with you, um, I've never really felt uh, the strength of resistance spiritually against a word like I feel right now, but um, this word is going to be a tough one. Um, you like to p- preach the you're victorious and shout you down, but you know, hey, look, sometimes God gives you words of instruction and gives you words to help you grow in your faith and apply. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16. I'm going to start reading at verse number one. I'll give you a minute to turn there. If you can't find it, it'll be on the screen behind me shortly. But Acts chapter 16, verse one. Good to see everyone here this morning we appreciate the opportunity to preach the word and i thank our pastors and pastor odie and wanda amen how many know we got awesome pastors amen we really do and um appreciate them so much oh kids are released all right release the kids they say so you're no longer bound you're free go kids you can go towards the back if you like. Okay, Acts, nursery in the back as well. Acts chapter number 16, beginning at verse 1. And if you're physically able to and willing, would you stand today in honor of the reading of the Word of God? Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Amen. Praise the Lord. And this is what the Word says. It says, Then, he, then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Verse 4, and as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout, the, uh, throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. I want you to keep that in mind. Verse 7. After they were come to Mesia, they essayed to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit allowed them not. And they, passing by, Mysia came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So this morning I want to talk about the subject of the Macedonian call. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, I thank you for the atmosphere of worship that is in this place. Lord, I pray that you'd anoint these lips of clay to speak a word in season for your people. Lord, we overcome every wall of resistance against this message and against your word because you're greater than that. And Father, I pray that you'd anoint the ears of your people to hear the word. Let us humble ourselves 
Let everybody in this room, from us as in pastoral leadership to first-time visitors in this house, Father, I pray, let us apply this word. Let us measure it according to our hearts and spirit. And God, if there's any area of our life, God, that we need a change and need a work of deliverance and need a work of breakthrough, Father, let it be so. God, I pray that there be conviction released in this room, that people will leave totally delivered and set free. Lord, let there be a baptism of repentance. Holy Ghost and fire, come in this house. Lord, I pray, change us. For your word says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Father, we thank you today, and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today, I want to talk about the subject of the Macedonian call. And the reason why and the Lord began to speak this word to my heart, because a couple of weeks ago, we had vacation Bible school. How many know vacation Bible school went awesome? I thought it went outstanding. It went terrific. Had 12 or, I think we had 13 kids that gave their heart to Jesus. And I mean, we had an awesome time during vacation Bible school. And, you know, I've been in the ministry for quite some time and, and been raised in church all my life, but I never went to one vacation Bible school. So to actually be teaching vacation Bible school was a little different for me. And I didn't really know much what to do. And Jessica went to all kinds, so she kind of helped me out. But it changed my life. It really did. Vacation Bible school really did change my life and I want to tell you why it changed my life because when we got on the church vans and we went and we because we come here every Thursday with our cute little worship and our cute little dance and our cute little song and we come worshiping and we praise God and we go Thursday and Sunday and lift up the name of Jesus but I went in that bus and I went on the bus route to this community and my heart break for these kids my heart was broke for these kids, and it's still broke for these kids. And, and that's why we're still running bus routes. Sometimes we'll pick up nobody. Sometimes we'll pick up five, maybe ten. But we're still going every week now since vacation Bible school to try to pick up kids. And there's some kids we pick up that don't even have shoes to wear. There's some kids that we pick up that don't even have running water. There's some kids that we pick up, their family's addicted to drugs, and their mommy's been busted for drugs, or their daddy's in jail right now. And, and we come in here, and we declare, and we pro and we proclaim, Lord, deliver the drug addict. God, deliver the drug dealer. Lord, save the prostitute. But what about these kids? And my heart was broken. I hear so many people say, I'm called in the mission field. I'm called to Africa. Or I can't wait to go to the Caribbean. Or I can't wait to go here and preach the gospel or do missionary work. But you can't even be a missionary in your hometown. You can't even reach your neighbor. You can't even talk to your neighbor. You can't even talk to, speak to other people sitting across the pew from you. You're sitting there with bitterness inside of you. You're sitting there talking about worship and you're gossiping about leadership and you're doing this and that, but yet God's called you to the mission field. No, you need to humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm ready to reach my sphere of influence where I work at, where I go to school at. That's my mission field. I'm not better than them. I'm not going to wait for the next moment a year from now no now's the time you are called and now is the time to answer the call some of you are going back to college listen you're going to a mission field equip yourself and get yourself ready it's time to win souls we know Jesus is coming but I don't want to go before his throne empty handed I want to say Lord I want to take as many souls as I can with me 
Amen. That's why my heart's broke this morning. That's why my heart is burdened this morning. It's because we are going every week with our praise. And we can't even witness to somebody. We can't even love somebody. We can't even defend the child that's being bullied in school. Or that kid sitting at the lunch table all by themselves. We're too good for that. Because we want to stay in our clique. Listen, you better be the church. Amen. I said you better be the church. Amen. Hallelujah. But let's get into the word. Acts chapter 16. We read about the missionary, the second missionary journey of Paul. Now, for those that says, man, I'm tired this morning. or You've been dancing, worshiping, man, and you're ready for a 10-minute message, and you're ready to go home now. Listen, if you can worship for an hour and a half, you can deal with about 45 minutes of preaching. Because the word's what's going to keep you. Amen. Hallelujah. Anyway, let's keep going. Um, I want um, Jacob, if you would, I, I gave him three maps to pull up because I want you to get a little picture of what Paul went through. If you, I hope you can see it. If not, that's okay. But on the first missionary journey, Paul went with Barnabas on the first missionary journey. And he went throughout Asia Minor, which is, on, which is, a, which is around, I believe, the Mediterranean Sea. That's a little blurry, but that's okay. On, in Syria and Cyprus. And you look at all these places. You know, they didn't have planes back then. You know, they didn't have nice cars to drive. They had horses, they had their own two feet, and they had boats. And so they went on their way. And this is the first missionary journey all through Asia Minor. Go to the second one. I would go through town to town, but I want to speed through this. On the second missionary journey, God begins to get their attention. This is where we find ourselves in Acts 16. Because the purpose of the second missionary journey originally was to hit the areas where they went on their first missionary journey. I'll get there in just a minute. But on the second missionary journey, it wasn't just Asia Minor. They, they took the gospel to Europe. And they began to evangelize the gospel through, throughout Macedonia and those areas. And go to the last slide. This is where Paul went on his third missionary journey. And he went back to those same areas, some new cities. He was checking on his churches. He was planting new churches. He was encouraging them in the faith. And, and like I said, I don't, have to go, I don't have time to go through town to town to town. But this is, this is basically the book of Acts right here once Paul's introduced. All these maps, he was on boat. He was, he was imprisoned. He was stoned. He went, he went through all kinds of stuff to take the gospel all throughout his known world of that generation. Okay, but here's the thing, and this is where we find ourselves, because on the first missionary journey, they went throughout Asia Minor, they went throughout Turkey and different places, and began to proclaim the gospel, and it was Paul and Barnabas. Now, if you study in Scripture, you'll find out Barnabas was actually a spiritual father of Paul. When nobody else defended Paul, when he got saved, Barnabas was about the only one that stood up and said, hey, this man is saved, this man has been converted, this man has changed. And then he defended him among the other believers. Okay, but we get to, and, but on that journey, was a man by the name of John Mark. He wrote the Gospel of Mark, and he was about in his teenage years, and he went on this journey. So you can imagine being 17, 18 years old, going like doing all kinds of traveling like this, getting threatened to be stoned, climbing up hills, going on rocks, amen, just all kinds of walking, all kinds of abuse, all kinds of suffering, a lot of hours in prayer, not a lot of sleep. And so John Mark got homesick, and he went back to Jerusalem. So we go to the second missionary journey, and we find ourselves here. Because Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. John Mark said, I'm ready to go again. But because of his inconsistency and his immaturity, Paul said he's not ready. So I want to go to Acts chapter 15, verse 36, and I want to read a few verses of Scripture. 
So just back up a few verses, Acts chapter 15, starting to verse 36, because we have this picture in our minds that the book of Acts in the early church, there was never any uh, discussions, there was never any strife, there was never any contention. Guess what? When you deal with people, you deal with problems. Amen. So in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 15, verse 36, it says, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they do. Verse 37, And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Again, he came on the first missionary journey, got homesick, went back home. Now he's ready to go again. Okay, but Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to work. Verse 39. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Last verse. And he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. That is so awesome to have that PowerPoint back there. That is awesome. I'm so sorry. That That's cool. That makes that easy. Okay, here's the thing now you go on the set this second missionary journey the bible says the contention was so sharp they were so mad at each other they were so angry and listen their argument was not we need to go win souls that wasn't the problem they wanted to win people to jesus they wanted to do missionary work that wasn't the problem the problem was was john mark ready to go or was he not ready to go barnabas was like yes paul do you remember when i defended you i'm going to defend john mark too he's another disciple let's go after him let's win him to the lord let's strengthen him in the ministry let's help him and he said no he needs to be under some more training let's wait just a little bit and so this is what happened strife and contention came in listen to me very carefully we've got to be careful not to allow our opinions that are biased to overrule the, the spirit of God who wants to lead us? Now, here's the thing I want to break, break down to you. Things would get healed to the church of Corinth. Paul would, Paul would commend Barnabas. He would later in the book of Timothy ask for John Mark to go with him on a trip. And so the, what the enemy meant for evil, God actually turned around and made it good because uh, Barnabas and John Mark went on a missionary journey and Paul and Silas went on a missionary journey. So the enemy tried to create a wedge of division and tried to slither his way in. But guess what? what happened was the gospel went out further so all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose but here's what I want to tell you this morning we've got to sacrifice our biased opinions and listen to the voice of the Lord because if we're not careful, our opinions can cause conflict in the body of Christ. From leadership to inside the church as a whole. Can I tell you this? I feel this this morning. We're supposed, God has hit the fast forward button. And we're moving fast through this. And God is moving. And more people are coming. And God's doing amazing things in the ministry. But we're still not where we're supposed to be. Because there's some petty stuff we're letting go on that needs to be crushed. I'm here to expose that snake today, and I'm here to crush that snake. Amen. What do you mean, Justin? Let me give you some examples. Not saying anyone's doing this, but I'm just going to throw some examples at you. Here's the thing. If because you give the most money to the church, you think you have the most say-so over the finances, your heart's in the wrong place. 
It's stuff like that. It's stuff that says, well, I wish Justin would do this, or I wish Jill would do this, or I wish Odie would do it like this, or I wish Brandon would do it like that. That's the stuff you got to crush. That's opinions. That's not the spirit. That's the flesh. Amen. That's opinions. And your opinions may be good. You may be in leadership and you say, man, I, I think it should be done this way. And you want to uh, complain about what goes on here and what goes on there. No, God puts you in that place of ministry to submit to the authority of leadership and to serve, not to control, not to gossip, not to dictate. Listen, can I tell you this? Because you talk about problems in the church doesn't mean you're discussing it to solve it. It's called gossip. Lay it down. Lay it down, lay it down, lay it down. I feel that today. You may be talking with your best friend. You may talk it with your family. It's still gossip. Gossip is real just as it is in the family, as it is in the neighborhood or in the school system. I wish I had two or three people because I know this is not easy, but it's okay anyways. You sit there in the pew and you think about everybody else, but listen, it's time you look at yourself in the mirror and say, when have I not submitted to authority? When have I not respected my parents? When have I gossiped about what someone else did? No, lay that tongue on the altar and say, God, I am just going to speak your praises. Amen. I know, it's, I know it's not easy, but I just felt like saying that. Hallelujah. Don't let a spirit that wants to control situations in the ministry rise up. Because if everybody would say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and would love people and love their brother and their sister and worship God together in the spirit of unity, everything will be just fine. Everything will work out just fine. Okay, so we got this contention and strife, and so Paul went on his way and went and found, uh, the, so they went their own way, and Paul picked Silas. So a new guy gets to join the mission field. That's awesome. So Paul picked Silas, and, they, and, and then across the way, they came across Timothy. Now, Timothy was about 10 to 12 years old when he got saved on the first missionary journey. He was about 10 to 12 years old. By the time second missionary journey rolled around, he was about 17 to 18 years old. And so Paul uh, takes Timothy and wants to take him on the missionary field. Amen. Here's the thing. His mother and his grandmother were praying women, but his dad was not saved. He was actually a Greek. Can I tell you this? It doesn't matter what kind of background you've had or what kind of mistakes you've made. God can use you for the kingdom. And there's a work to be done. But I want to break down five things right here to prepare for the mission field to answer the Macedonian call. Are you ready? First of all, number one is to become receivable rather than offensive. Become receivable rather than offensive. Because what did Timothy do? His dad was a Greek. His dad was a Gentile. His mom was a praying woman. And so people knew Timothy was coming. So they were questioning like, okay, he's not been circumcised. Because this offended all the Jewish people of that day and age. And so they said, we got to, so he, Paul actually circumcised him. And they actually received him through that. Because circumcision was part of the Jewish covenant in the Old Testament. Now here's the thing. Of course, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. But it was okay. Hey, I've got to reach those people with the gospel. And if I do those little things that offend them, they'll not receive me. That's a key to missionary work. That's a key in winning souls. you got to become receivable. If you come in there throwing stones and trying to hurt people and trying to offend people and hating on people, people ain't going to receive you. But when you go in love and you go in humility and you go where you can be received, guess what? They're going to hear what you've got to say. Amen. Praise God. 
So we go on and the Bible says they went, they went forth and they were ordaining apostles and elders and making decrees and planning, establishing churches in the faith. So number two, you gotta, or number two, you gotta win people and you gotta make them disciples. You've gotta win people and you've gotta make them disciples. You've gotta win them to the Lord. See, if I go evangelize, see, evangelizing is a lot more fun than pastoring. I'm just gonna be honest with you. You pray, you preach the word, you hit them on the head and you go. It's fun. It's, it's fun. You just preach your heart out, okay, you love, and you just go on your way. And everybody thinks you're awesome, and you just go on, and you leave them, and you go. When you're pastoring, you hit them on the head, and you see them every week. And they got that same look on their face like they're tired of listening to you. Right? Okay. Here's the thing. we got to win people, and we got to make them disciples. If we're getting 10, 12, 13 kids saved, but we're not discipling them and helping them educate and grow in the work of God, we're missing it because Jesus, he had disciples. Jesus' mission was not to build the biggest church. His mission was not to have 500 people following him. No, if he can impart into 12 people his heart and his vision, and then you have 12 people that live and be just like Jesus and go throughout the world, revival is going to come and turn the region upside down. I can't go into every school, but if my heart and my prayer is with these kids and these students, then guess what? The anointing that's on my life is imparted into their life, and they take it to their schools and their region where I can't go every single day of the week. That's what I'm saying. we got to become disciples in the kingdom of God, students of his word, and live this thing out. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Next, you got to plant people in their purpose. They were ordaining apostles. They were planting people in their purpose. Too many people are wandering around in the church not knowing what they're supposed to do for the kingdom of God. And it's a problem. Can I break it down for you? It's not like God has some hidden mystery of his plan for your life. God has a purpose. Well, he does, but what is it? Let me, let me break it down. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it. That was the original purpose of man. Be fruitful. Bear the fruits of the Spirit. Be fruitful. See, when man, Adam and them sinned, Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they lost authority in the Garden. But when Jesus came, that authority was restored. I said, our authority's been restored. That ought to make someone excited. That's why you can lay your hands on the sick and see them recover. That's why you can preach the gospel and people are convicted and want to be saved. Because, because there's people that need to understand the authority has been restored in the kingdom of God. So here's the thing. Be fruitful. Multiply. Listen, the the kingdom of God does not grow through division. It grows through multiplication. If our church growth, it only comes from people from other churches. We're not growing. Did you hear what I just said? We're not growing. Listen, we don't bag anybody else's church members because we're one kingdom. We welcome you. We love you. We want to worship with you. But we're not going to take you from another church. That's not our mission. That's not our goal. That's not our purpose. I'm more concerned about the thousands of people around this neighborhood and in this community that need Jesus in their life. That's my greatest concern. We don't grow as a church because we take another church's members or they decide to come here. We grow when the lost are being saved, when the drug addicts being delivered, when the poor addicts being set free, when the prostitutes being delivered, when the one that doesn't, that does not have a clue who Jesus is comes and is radically changed. Amen. Amen. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. 
He said, subdue the earth or replenish the earth. He said, replenish the earth. It means to feel. In other words, when the earth, when Lucifer rebelled, there was darkness upon the face of the deep. And so God spoke some things into existence. Let there be light and there was light and we were created to rule the earth. Now here's the thing. We were created to replenish the earth. That means fill the earth with light where there's been darkness. That means speak the word and speak life. You need to speak life over your situation. You need to speak the word no matter how bad it looks, no matter how difficult your marriage is, you speak life to it. No matter what's going on with your children, you speak life to it. Darkness may try to fill it, but God called you to replenish the world that you live in. He said, subdue the earth. That means to conquer and to bring into bondage and subjection. That means the world is under our authority. But a lot of times we're so silent, we're not even affecting the political realm. And we're not affecting the business realm because we're so silent. When are we going to subdue it? Our, hey, the kingdom of God is to last forever. The kingdom of Christ, there is no end. But we act like he's dead. When are we going to speak it and walk in authority and say, you know what? I'm going to bring Washington, D.C. in subjection to the spirit. I'm going to bring Pineville in subjection to the spirit. I'm going to bring my school in subjection to the spirit because of who he is in my life. Amen. And have dominion over everything. Once you have authority over it, you don't lose it. You don't go back into sin and get distracted with things. No, you go after Jesus. And you speak with the authority that he's given you. Amen. So here's the thing. Okay. The next thing is to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to go back to Acts chapter 1. This is the next thing. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. This makes you effective in the mission field. Why should you be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Because not every good idea is a God idea. Okay, let me say that again. Not every good idea is a God idea. Okay. It's not, not, not every great idea that you think you have is from the Holy Spirit. Some things are distractions and you've got to pray about things because they wanted to go back to the same cities, the same towns where they were on the first missionary journey, and the Holy Spirit said, forbid them. Now, that sounds like a contradiction to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Okay, here's the thing. Now the Holy Spirit has forbidden them. Don't go back. Don't go there. Don't go to those towns in Asia Minor. Why? Because there was a different plan in mind. You've got to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to use an illustration. I want to use us, Jessica, and myself as an example. Last year, we were praying about Jessica's job as a nurse practitioner. We was praying and we were seeking God. And, God and, and the Lord had put a certain salary on her heart. The Lord had put Middlesbrough, Kentucky on my heart. And it was like every door that was opening was not the right door. And we could feel it. We're like, I feel we're supposed to be in this city for her job, but this just doesn't feel right. And so something opened in La Follette. We both prayed. We said, well, this isn't the city. This isn't what we're asking for. But for some reason, we feel that this is right. And so we did that. And we were there for a few minutes, and, and it was like it was just kind of pulling the strain, like, okay, this, what, you know, why? We was confused. We was like, why, why are we in this situation? But then all of a sudden, it was like a job in Middlesbrough just chased her down. We didn't ask for it. We didn't apply for it. It came. And it laid at her feet with the salary she had been asking for and everything. But that job had not opened up yet until about two months ago. Now, I say that to say this because we were confused because we knew what the voice of the Holy Spirit said. But in our natural eyesight, we're looking at this thing. We're like, what is going on here? Why are we in La Follette when we feel like we're supposed to be in Middlesbrough? But you know what? God has opened a job that we are so blessed and we are so thankful to the Lord. 
So much, and just, just a lot of favor and grace upon our lives. And it's a blessing to us because it's an answered prayer and it was what we felt on our spirit. Listen, there may be some things that you have good ideas and you feel resistance about it. Listen, you better follow the voice of the Holy Spirit and be discerning to that voice because not every good idea is a God idea. You've got to say, Lord, I don't understand why I'm not preaching here. I don't understand why my door's not open here. Listen, God's got something else in mind and you need to wait on his timing and his direction and be sensitive because if Paul and Silas went to the wrong towns maybe something would have happened that they did not see but that's when everything gets so much better and this is the last point you need to get a vision of souls because when Paul one night was asleep all of a sudden he had a vision all of a sudden he had a dream and he saw a man coming from Macedonia saying come over and help us because the gospel needed to be taken to an entirely different continent. See, the picture is bigger than what you can even imagine. You don't need to judge things by hindsight and looking at it and say, man, what in the world's going on here? No, you need to trust the voice of the Holy Spirit and know, hey, listen, he's going to give you a vision. He's going to give you a dream and you need to follow that vision and go after the souls God has called you to. And if you don't have any souls on your heart, you need to pray and see God and say, God, who is my mission field? Who am I supposed to witness to? And listen, Listen to me very carefully because God called you to China does not mean that God ain't called you right now to win your neighbor to Jesus. You're not, you're not too good for us uh, for right now. You need to be reaching out to people right now. You need to be loving people right now. When you go to bed asleep, you should be thinking about somebody and get them in your head. When we went to Africa, we seen those orphans in our eyes and in our, in our heads for so long because we seen those kids poor. We seen those kids without clothes. We seen those kids without anything. And they were on our hearts and they were on our minds. We need to get to a place where we dream again. We got to 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 have a vision again. He said, without a vision, the people perish. We got to have a vision for people that need to be saved and one to the Lord. Amen. Y'all okay? Won't be much longer. Give me just a couple minutes. We got to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to think about this. Now, Acts 16, when he goes into Macedonia, he casts a demon out of a woman. And Paul and Silas end up in jail in Macedonia. Now, I want you to think about that. Who was the man? Who was the man he saw in that vision? You only read of one man he, that he specifically won to the Lord. Here's the thing. They, they were in the midnight hour crying out, worshiping and praising God, bound in chains, bound where they were. And they were singing in the midnight hour, worshiping and praising the Lord. And all of a sudden, a shaking happened, and chains began to fall off. And not only did they fall off Paul and Silas, but the, the next prison cell next door, and the one next to them. And every prison door was flung wide open, and everybody was set free because their praise and worship not only set them free, but it set everyone around them free. Amen. But you go on read and there was a jailer there. It was the keeper of the prison and he was there. And when he woke up and he saw what had happened, he drew his sword to kill himself. He drew a sword of someone else's word because he knew that if this word got to the Roman leaders, that they were going to kill him. They were going to persecute him. He was going to be severely beaten and, and die for this sake. And he said he would have rather killed himself than to face that kind of judgment. But Paul saw it from a distance and he he said put up your sword we're here we're all here and then in that minute he said what do i need to do 
to be saved. Now, can I ask you a question? What are you willing to go through to get to the one? Jesus, what are you willing to go through to get that one you're dreaming about? What are you willing to go through to get that one you have a vision of? What are you willing to go through? When they went and he saw and he said, saw that man say, come help us. He may have not knew who he was seeing at that moment, but he went through a prison. He went through, he went through shipwrecks. He went through different things. But when that jailer came across his path, he said, I knew I came for that one. And not only was he saved, but his whole family received salvation and were baptized. And that jailer began to wash the stripes of Paul and Silas, probably stripes he put on himself. And he washed those stripes that he probably put on himself on Paul and Silas. But Paul didn't care because he came after the one he saw. Maybe he recognized him when he was beating him. Maybe he was recognized him when he was beating him. And he said, you know what? I'm going to sing until something breaks. I'm going to praise. Till I wish I had half a church that understood what I'm saying. I'll praise and worship until something shifts and something moves. And when he gets his attention, when, when you get his attention, God, I want to say, put up your sword. And he's going to say, what does it take for me to be saved? That's how big God is. God's already been in your tomorrow. That's how big God is. He's already been in your future. He's already there. God is a big God. I said he's a great God. Amen. All over one soul. Now, having said that, what are you willing to go through to get one person, one to the Lord? Are you willing to go through prison? You say, well, I got to be silent in school. You know you don't. Kids, you got the biggest voice ever. Because they can't, there's no law that prohibits kids from praying in school. Can you believe that? There's really not a law. You can be effective in your school more than what we can. Who's that vision that you've got of? If you don't have one, you need to get one today. Can anybody say amen? Here's the thing. Paul said this. He said in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 27, he said, Of the Jews, five times did I receive 40 stripes. Three times was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. Night and day I've been in the deep. Journeys often, perils of water, perils of robbers, perils by my own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, among false brethren, in weariness and pain, watching, hunger, thirst fasting cold and nakedness and if you ask Paul today would you do it all over again he'd say yes I would have you ever wondered if you'd ever die for the gospel has, has anybody ever thought of that have you ever asked yourself can I can I tell you this if you can't fast you're not going to die for him if you don't pray you'll not die for him if you think this secret, friendly Christianity that wants to make you comfortable in your sin, that you would die for him, I want to tell you, you won't die for him. You won't. Here's the thing. Paul was willing to go through all of it to get the gospel to people that's never heard it. And we sat in our comfortable pews, and we passed by. You're going to go out to eat today, and you're going to pass some lost people, and you're going to ignore them, and they're going to need what you got to say. That jailer was in need, and if Paul would have been silent, he would have died a suicide that day and would be in hell today. But you know what? He's in heaven rejoicing because Paul stopped the killing. I feel conviction in the room. I'm almost done. Here's the thing. In, in countries, 
in the Middle East, they suffer persecution. I read an article the other day that the, the, the gospel of Christianity is almost completely wiped out in the Middle East, and I don't believe it. They're persecuting and killing Christians. Numbers. Most, the, most, the greatest persecution of Christians in world history was last year. It was last year. Every five minutes, a Christian is martyred for the gospel. You better thank God that you're free in America. You better thank God. But you know what we do? We come to church. We lift our hands. And we don't apply all of this book right here. You know what we do? We read scriptures like death and life from the power of the tongue. That's what we do to the word. But you know what they do? They get that. They, this is what goes on in the Middle East and China. They'll get one page because they know that if they are caught with the whole Bible, they're going to die. They'll take a Bible. They'll rip it page from page from page, and they'll look at it, and they'll memorize their page because they know when they are suffering for the gospel, they know it'll be in their hearts. But some of you have got three or four Bibles in your house, and you've not picked it up one time this week. And you think you'll die for it? Do you think you'll get your head chopped off for him? Do you think you'll take a gun for him? You won't. You think this ain't real? Yes, this is real. Christians are dying right now. And this Islamic crazy ideology is seeping right through into America. Are you kidding me? You better get ready. This soft gospel ain't going to make it. But we treat the word. Oh, we don't want that. Tell me how blessed I am. Tell me, tell me how blessed I am, Pastor. Tell me, tell me how blessed I am. Oh, blessed are those that are persecuted. Nah, I don't like that. That's what we do, the word. See, some of y'all are offended because I just did that to a Bible. But the fact of the matter is you do it every day when you live in sin. It's quiet. The Middle East, China, would have loved for me to give them that page. They'd have loved it. You despise it. We need to pray. We need to pray. Because we're so caught up in our own world that people need Jesus. And it's time to answer the call. Are you going to answer? What about, I want to prophesy. I want to preach. I want to sing. I want to do this. I want to be on the dance team. I want to do this and that. What about your neighbor? What about that teacher? What about that friend that doesn't know Jesus? Is there a vision when you go to bed at night that you see them, that you want to pray and win them to Jesus? Are we going to continue to fuss about petty stuff, or are we going to get rid of the petty stuff and have revival? Choice is ours. It's time to repent, and it's time to pray. It's time to knock on heaven's door, and we need to seek his face. Because... Since I started preaching, there's been about six or eight people that have just gave their heart, to, to just gave their head to a sword. Maybe their arms and legs were chopped off in Sudan. Maybe in Africa they came for a worship service, and what they found was an AR-15 just blowing their brains out. And we come in here, and we want to complain about nothing instead of thanking God for His blessings. Complain about. Someone took my parking spot. You think you'll die for him? Someone took my seat. You think you're living for him? If the trumpet sounded, would you go up or would you stay? 
we better pray. I feel conviction in the room. That's what I want to do. I want to get Daniel to come to the piano, and I'd like for him to play. And I don't want a song sung, because I think everybody needs to pray. And I think we need to seek God. This is what, I, I wish I could have gave you and preached on heaven today or gave you a reason maybe to, to shout a while. We've done a lot of that. But maybe we need to do some soul searching and ask ourselves if the last breath left our body, would we go to heaven? If someone came in that back door, would we be ready? Because we don't know. We need to pray. We need to pray. What if this was your last week being at that school? You never know. What? What, what, if, what would be the voice? What would be the prayers? What would you do? We can't be silent no longer, church. It's time to rend the heavens. Some of you say, well, I want to preach, and I want to sing, and I want to play music, and I want to do this. Where's your heart at today? Where's your heart at? I know we'd all like to think, yeah, I'd die for him. And you may never have to die for him. And if you don't, praise God. But I tell you right now, Jesus gave his best for us. Surely we can give our best for him. Let's stand all across this building. Give you a chance to pray. These pages, for those who thought I actually ripped... I actually took a map out of the Bible so you don't have to freak out no more, okay? This was actually a blank page, so you don't have to freak out anymore. For those religious folks I offended this morning. Here's the thing. Some of you have ripped, spiritually have ripped those pages and you need to pick them back up at this altar and say, God, I'll memorize it. God, I'll follow it. I'll eat on it. I'll... I'll apply it to my heart I'll do it God some of you have been going back to school and some of you may be one of the only people that love Jesus in your class but hey that's okay be the only one if your persecution in America if the maximum persecution you face in America is someone talk about how much you love Jesus that's the best persecution you could ever have because if you looked at your peers in other countries, you would see how blessed you really are. Are you ready to answer the Macedonian call and say, God, I'll, I'll suffer. I'll go through it. Just give me souls. If I go to heaven, but I've won at least one person to Jesus. Listen, there's been hard times in this ministry of ours that God's called us to. There have been moments I've cried and yelled at God and said God why you don't see those moments there have been moments where I was like I, I've been at places these past couple years where I said what's the use is it really worth it but God reassures me and says yes it is because when I look at these kids and I've seen their growth in the past two or three years when I'm getting pressured by other people on decisions that I should make or people are talking about certain things and word gets back to me what they've said I look back at these kids and I say, let them talk about me. It's worth it. Because I love Jesus too much. I've been too good. It's time to humble ourselves. Pray. Seek His face. Turn from every wicked way. 
that he would hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal our land. Father, I release conviction in this room. Lord, let us honor the cries and the voices of the martyrs. Lord, let us give up petty things to go after you. We put the brakes on revival and you still poured out your spirit because of your grace. But you see hidden agendas. You see secretive ideas. But Lord, today we repent and we crush the head of the serpent and say, God, we need revival. We need you, Jesus. If this word's applied to you in any way, I want you to leave your seat and I want you to fill these altars. Anyway, anyway. Whether it's a call you need to answer, salvation for your soul, a recommitment of your life to His, would you come? You need a vision of souls. You need to get to this altar now. Oh, Jesus. to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to ourfathershouseky.org.